I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 98 of the podcast. Happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. Okay, dads, please, I got to ask you to bear with me today as I'm battling a little head cold here, but I am dedicated to pumping out these episodes when I say I'm going to do it. So here I am. And I have got an exciting guest joining me today on the podcast, Bedros Koulian, who is a best-selling author and CEO of Fit Body Bootcamp. He has some great thoughts and experiences about fatherhood to share with us, so please stick around for the interview. I am inching my way closer to my 100th episode, and I couldn't be happier with the response that I've been getting from all of you listeners out there. I began this podcast with nothing more than just a passion for talking about fatherhood and family values, and I have really been blessed to speak with so many amazing dads. Many of you have asked me when I'm getting back to the topic of the day episodes, but to be honest, I never expected this many unbelievable dads uh, you know, to agree to come on the show here, so I've been a bit overwhelmed. And it's gotten to the point where dads and managers of fathers are reaching out to me to book a spot on the podcast. So it's it's been very humbling, very overwhelming. I mean, come on, guys. I, I've had Deion Sanders and Kurt Warner on the show here. They're, those are two of the biggest names on the NFL network and, and two of the best players to ever even play in the NFL. And you can listen to those interviews back in episodes 78 and 71. Uh, I've been honored to have about a dozen Navy SEALs on the podcast at this point, including the first-class father that shot and killed Osama bin Laden, Rob O'Neill. He joined me back in episode 54. So I'd really just like to say thank you so much to all the moms and dads out there who continue to show me support. Uh, This has been an amazing experience for me, and the best is yet to come. I'm still learning and growing and educating myself here on how to take this to the next level, and I need your help to do that. So please reach out to me. I read all of your direct messages and all of your private messages on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Please keep them coming. I try to respond to each and every one of them uh, at some point here, maybe for my 100th episode. I'll read a few of them on the podcast here, but really... Share this podcast with any father or parent that's in your circle. Let's keep this podcast smashing the charts over on iTunes. Uh, Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here on First Class Fatherhood. Uh, So thank you. And uh, from the little acorn grew the mighty oak. So stay with me here. Uh, Right now, I'm going to smack you guys with a quick little spot here, and then I'll be right back with Bedros Koulian. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now is a first class father. He is an immigrant from a communist country turned hugely successful entrepreneur. He is the hidden genius that entertainers, New York Times bestselling authors, and thought leaders turn to when they want to create highly profitable and industry-dominating brands and businesses. He is the founder and CEO of Fit Body Bootcamp. It is a great privilege for me to say Bedros Koulian. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Wonderful. Thank you so much. All right, Bedros, let's get this going here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I've got two kids. I've got uh, Chloe, who's 11 years old, and Andrew, who's 13. 
Awesome. Okay, what type of sports or activities are they into? You know, my uh, my son is into soccer and football, and uh, my daughter is into volleyball right now. And it's amazing to see how they love activities. They love music. In fact, the daughter plays piano. My son plays uh, the guitar. And it's crazy because I'm an immigrant to this country, and I was six years old when we came to the United States. So I never was involved in music and arts and fitness and exercise. So to me, it's just wonderful to see my kids so active in, in every area. Very cool. Now, did you ever have the opportunity to coach the kids, or do you kind of steer away from that and cheer them off from the sideline? You know, since I was never involved in sports, I don't know much about sports, to be honest with you, which also makes me a great husband because my wife's like, hey, football, basketball, baseball, doesn't matter. You never watch it. Um, so thankfully, they have great coaches, and I'm just on the sidelines encouraging them along. Okay. All right, Bedros, please take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what it is that you do. Absolutely. So as I said earlier, I call myself the immigrant edge and the American dream because we escaped communist Soviet Union in 1980. I was six years old and uh, came to the United States. And my father took a big risk when we escaped. And the reason he took a big risk is, you know, no one is ever supposed to escape communism and come to a free country like the United States. And so when he did that, the thing that he was doing was really giving my, myself and my older brother and sister the opportunities that he never had. And um, he said, look, as long as you serve this country and solve problems for people, you'll have the opportunity and freedom to make as much money as you want and make as much impact as you want. And so that was such a very compelling message to me. It always stuck with me. So in that time, as I grew up in this country, um, you know, we, ha we had a pretty rough now. There was times we were eating out of the dumpsters. My dad had, had discovered um, the grocery stores have these giant dumpsters behind them, and when food expires, they can't sell them, so they have to throw it away. And uh, so that's, you know, times we were digging out of dumpsters and getting food that was expired but still edible. Other times, uh, because we lived in Section 8 housing, which means the government assisted with our rent, you know, it wasn't in the best parts of town, and it wasn't the cleanest of, of apartment complexes. And one time, it was two years after we got to the United States, so I was eight years old, and uh, I got lice. And my mom and dad couldn't afford lice treatment. At that time, you know, every single one of my family members, older brother, older sister, mom, dad, they had multiple jobs, pumping gas, working at a pizzeria, uh, you know, being, you know, on tables at restaurants, and every penny counted. So because of that, my mom, instead of spending money to buy lice treatment, she had my dad siphon out gasoline parked car, in the neighborhood and wash my hair with gasoline to kill the lice. And I'm just with you because, you know, uh, that, that's why I talk about the immigrant edge. Like when you don't have the resources, you get resourceful for your kids. And my, my parents were so resourceful for us. You know, we didn't have a Christmas the first couple of years, but that was okay. We just, you know, sat around and sang and, and, and music was a very big thing for us. And because of that, I, I never felt like I missed out on Christmas, if you know what I mean. So, Moving forward then, as I grew up, I grew up overweight and out of shape and, you know, again, it was never in sports or anything. And so a friend of mine in high school introduced me to weightlifting and working out. Well, before you know it, I, I've just been bitten by the fitness bug. So as I left high school, I opened up a personal training. Well, I started personal training in a big box gym at first, working for someone, and then ultimately ended up 
opening up my own personal training studio, and then that one studio turned into five studios. And before long, you know, today, of course, we have 714 locations of our Fit Body Bootcamp franchises worldwide. And, um, man, I'm just so blessed and thankful that, you know, fitness is a big part of my life, and I give my family and my kids especially the experiences and the lifestyle I never had. So it's just such a blessed life. Wow, yeah, what an amazing story, Bedros, and truly inspirational. Now, let me ask you this. What could you say to the immigrant father who's out there listening, and he's uh, new to the country, and he's stuck in some kind of job that he hates, and he feels like there is no such thing as the American dream? You know, I would say it's the opposite, actually. The American dream has never been more attainable to be. And, and I'll say that because, remember, when, when I came to this country, there was no Internet. There was no social media. There was no uh, iPhones and Androids. And so you had to go and beg for a job. Even if you had this amazing solution in your head that you thought of in your other country, you were a good problem solver. If, you, if you're an immigrant, hell, if you weren't a non-immigrant, doesn't matter. You certainly didn't have the resources. Today, the Internet allows you. Let me give you an example. Let's say someone in another country has figured out a better way to make a craft. Right, they, they figured out how to make a craft, or the, or to cook a meal, or to, uh, like in my dad's case, he was a tailor. How to, and what he specialized in, especially was high-end men's suits. And when men would get a cigarette burn in their suits, and let's say the pants were pinstripe suits, he would cut a piece of the hem out um, of the uh, of, of the pants, and then he he'd make the lines line up perfectly, and he seam the pants back up so that, you know, two, $3,000 custom suit now is back together. Now, when my dad came, of course, he had to deliver newspapers and pump gas and work at a pizzeria. But imagine if there was an internet, he could simply go online and create a how-to video on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram. And through that how-to videos, he could show off his skill sets of solving a problem. Remember, that's what my dad said, solve a problem and serve this country. And when you do that, you have all the money and impact and meaning that you want. And so he could showcase his problem solving. And so people tell me, well, look, I've got this great idea, but I don't know how to launch a business. I tell them, look, the American dream is alive and well. You can go to wordpress.com and make a free website. Like, it's free. You don't have to hire a web developer. You don't have to buy a, a online shopping cart. Because you can go to PayPal and it's free. It'll just take a small percentage of the money that you charge people as payment. You don't need a video team or a marketing department because if you have a, and everyone has an iPhone or some kind of an Android, you can make how-to videos on social media and build up your authority in your specific niche market, whether, again, it's cooking or being a tailor or, or in my case, helping personal trainers grow their gyms. And as you build your authority, people say, hey, can I work with you? Can I pay you to coach me further? Can I, do you have a course that I can buy from you? Do you have a how-to kit? And it's so easy today. The barrier is lower than ever. It's just most people don't realize that, that barrier is now the Internet and not necessarily looking for others to get a paycheck from. Okay, we're going to get the man up in just a minute here, but I kind of wish there was almost like a PG version of the book for preteens out there. It seems like there's a big gap from when kids are like, say, four years old, and we're telling them, you could be anything you want to be when you grow up, dream big, the sky is the limit. But then by the time they're teenagers getting ready for college, we're yelling at them, hey, just go out there and get any job. Go to college and study anything. So how can we kind of uh, navigate our kids through that change and prevent them from just conforming to society? 
Good, good question. And it starts with the parents because parents just go, hey, this, I did this, and so you have to go through this pain too. I went to school. When the parents don't know any other alternative, they go, do what I did. Go Get good grades. Go to school. You're going to get school debt unless you go in with a scholarship or something. And then when you get out, pay off your school debt and then work for a good company that's going to keep you around, work up the food chain, and over time you might retire with pension and a gold watch. Well, those days are gone. What the parents should be saying is the way I did it was wrong or the way I did it was right for that time. Today we live in a new economy, yet the parents are too stubborn to take their head out of the sand and look around and go, oh, my gosh, if you've got a solution to a problem, the Internet will help you spread that solution virally, quickly, force multiply, time collapse. And so for that to happen, parents need to read books like, like my book, Man Up, where they understand that you can be on the exponential growth financially and not the linear growth of, okay, I, a year went by, so I better get my you know, one and a half to three percent increase in pay, which at times doesn't even, doesn't even match what inflation is, you know? And so at the end of the day, and YouTube is out there. Like, I, I'm teaching my kids, son, go to YouTube, daughter, go to YouTube and watch what other kids are doing your age who are entrepreneurial. I take them out of school and I take them to speaking events with me so that when others are on stage speaking, they're learning. I taught my kids how to build rapport since the age of seven. I would take my son to speaking events, and I would say, son, here's three things you're going to ask someone. When you meet anyone, you shake their hands, you look them in the eye, and you ask them, what's your name, where are you from, what do you do? Those are good rapport-building questions and conversation starters. When I was seven years old, man, I seven, hell, when I was 17, I didn't know how to shake hands. I didn't know how to look a man in the eye. I didn't know what three or four questions to ask to, to start the conversation, to build rapport. All I wanted to do was just kind of hide in the corner, not be seen, and hope that people would just walk by. And so parents need to use the resources they have. The Internet has free information. Heck, if someone just followed me on Instagram alone, they would know how to raise their kids to turn them into what I call modern-day knights and entrepreneurs. Yes, am I rough around the edges? Yes, am I very, very firm? Am I a control freak? Am I very black and white? Absolutely. I'm very polarizing. But if you want your kids to have the best shape at life, they're going to follow people like me and Gary Vaynerchuk and Ed Milet. And there's free content out there. Tom Billiou, there's so much great content teaching kids that college is not the way unless you specifically want to be a, a doctor, specifically want to be an engineer, an accountant, an architect, an attorney. Outside of that, if you're just going to be a bean counter for someone, there's probably something better you can do that will give you more meaning, a greater sense of satisfaction, greater control over your life and time, and, of course, money, way more money than you could ever make counting beans for someone else. Yeah. All right, it is now time for a word from today's sponsors, and I'll be right back with more of the action on First Class Fatherhood. I definitely hear that from college kids. Uh, as I hustle Uber on the weekends, most of these kids have no idea what they're studying, why they're studying it, and what they plan on doing with what they're studying. It's that, and then they have such a negative outlook on fatherhood and family life as if it's something that they, they need to avoid for the rest of their life. And I, I shake my head because I try to tell them, you know, you guys have it all wrong. Fatherhood is, is not something to avoid. It's really something to embrace. That's exactly it. But, I mean, look at the examples they've had. And, and I'm not dissing any fathers or any generations. I'm just saying, you know, these you know, fathers before me. I mean, thankfully, I grew up, I was just on the starting edge of the Internet. Like in 1996, 
someone gave me a laptop, a Toshiba laptop, and I was getting those AOL discs in the mail, and I'm like, I'm going to pop this thing in and see what it's about. Like, I started with dial-up, man, and I'm so glad I did. And I knew there's something about this Internet thing, this AOL thing, this Earthling thing that's going to going to be big and i started my first online business totalmuscle.com which was an online supplement store i didn't make a single penny i lost fifty-five thousand dollars from it there was no google no facebook no nothing but as a young man of at the time let's see i was 1997 i graduated in 1993 so i was probably like 21 22 years old instead of going to college i decided you know what i see that people did purchase supplements from me just not fast enough and so some of these supplements would expire, ironically, you know, and I'd have to throw them, to, throw them away. And so I realized, well, I think I'm just ahead of the curve. I think if there becomes a platform where I could buy traffic from, right, like old advertising is television ads and billboard ads and stuff. New advertising is social media ads and Google pay-per-click ads, et cetera. And all this to say that I didn't have a dad to teach me. I just stumbled upon the Internet and knew that this was a game changer. But you watched what happens two generations from now, when these millennials become parents and they go, hey, kid, uh, you don't have to go to college. Look, I work off my laptop. Dude, I, I know four different guys, all millennials, that work off their laptop and they're certified to write emails for small businesses because, as you know, small business owners, they build an email list, but they don't know how to email and what kind of message to communicate. So these young, young guys and gals just travel the world, work off their laptops, sitting in, in cabanas all over the world, and they charge each client two or $3,000 a month to do their email marketing for them. Well, you get five or six clients, hey, they you got a good six-figure income, you know, off your laptop. And so these millennials are going to tell their kids, there's a better way. You don't have to go into debt. You don't have to go to college and wait four years and let someone else get ahead of you. But unfortunately, the kids today, the example, the blueprint they had was the dad who's bitter because he went to college, he got the degree in engineering, he got the degree in graphic design. He's seeing a lot of that stuff being outsourced overseas for pennies. He's got the debt, but he doesn't have any money to show for it. And what he thought he was going to have 20 years later, he doesn't have. So he might be Ubering on the side. He might be driving Lyft. He might be working a second job, but yet his kid comes to him for advice. And the only piece of advice is go to college, get in debt, and do what I did hoping that maybe it'll work out better for the kid than it did for him. And it's not going to. College is not the answer. Yeah, and the Internet has made a lot of people a ton of money. There's no doubt. But two things that I see too much of is, one, there is there seems to be a breakdown of communication among teenagers and adolescents. And it seems that uh, most young people on the Internet are just displaying a, a me, me, me message. So how can we get them to turn around that philosophy and get them to use the Internet to provide a service to other people and not just a celebration of themselves? That's a really good question. And unfortunately, the Internet, like everything else, is a double-edged sword, right? Like you take aspirin, people, you know, like my, my father, he's still alive. He's 84 years old. He takes two, two baby aspirins a day, the 81 milligram aspirins a day, because it thins his blood out because he's had a heart attack once before. Now, if he was to take a handful of aspirin, it would probably over time, over a very short period of time, it would burn a hole in his stomach, and, of course, he'd pass away. So while aspirin does many lots of good for him, there's a potential of battle. So while the Internet has so much opportunity, it still is relatively new, and we don't know really how to use social media. Most of them, like I do, I took the time to learn and understand, and I, I realized that it's about how can I serve you instead of what can you do for me? And, hey, you should look at me and look how awesome I am. It's all about how can I serve you? How can I inspire you? How can I motivate you? How can I give you an edge in life? 
here's what's going to happen. We're already seeing that social media, especially when people bust out their phones and then swipe to refresh their social media to see how many likes and comments and followers they have, that's called variable response. That swipe is the same thing as when a, a, a an addicted gambler goes to a casino and pulls the handle on a slot machine hoping that they get the triple sevens. They get that dopamine hit. They get the reward. Of course, most of the time what happens? You don't get the likes and the loves and the comments that you want. You don't get the triple sevens all the time. But it creates this variable response mechanism that, hey, if I just keep pulling the handle every now and again, I get rewarded with a dopamine hit. And dopamine is very addictive, very addictive. When when people start doing heroin and and, and, and these methamphetamines, it, this is a dopamine rush that we get addicted to. It's the same dopamine that gets pumped out when you're you know, swiping down over and over again. It becomes very addictive. So my point here is we're seeing the addiction take control. We're going to very quickly see that all these people who are using social media and it's all me, 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 yeah, they have followers. Yeah, they have people who are maybe liking and commenting, but you can't take followers to, to the bank. Followers aren't dollars. And so soon they're, they're going to ask, and they're already asking me, because remember, I coach and consult this younger generation now. They're asking me and guys like my business partner, Craig Ballantyne. One guy sent me a direct message and said, hey, Bedros, I have 1.7 million followers, but I've got $2,600 left in my bank account. Help me. What do I do? And I went and looked at his social media site, and it's like you said, it's me, 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 me. And he's a millennial. It's all about him. Now, it's not that millennials are bad. They're just more me-driven. Remember, we were that way, too. The difference is we didn't have all this place to, to talk about me. We just had mom and dad to go, hey, mom, guess what I did today? Today I ran fast, and then I swam fast, and then I held my breath for a minute and a half. And it still is about me. It's just we were telling an audience of two or three or our friends. Now you can build an audience of hundreds of thousands and go me, 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 and they give you validation, and you start believing that's the right way to live. Well, soon they go, shit, I'm broke. And if I'm broke, I better start seeking out ideas. And so the tides will change. Again, we just need another generation to go by. Good points. Okay, Bedros, please take a minute here and tell my listeners about your new book, Man Up. Absolutely. So Man Up is really a book about peak performance and leadership, not only leadership in business, but in leadership in life, to, to lead your family, to lead your kids, to lead your finances, to lead your health, to lead your mindset. And I'll be very honest, very open, very transparent with you here. There was a time, so in 2010, I started my franchise, Fit Body Boot Camp, which is a location where we have 714 locations worldwide. By 2013, I was losing more locations than gaining every month. I was in big, I was in massive debt. My relationship with my wife was suffering. My health was suffering. I'd gained 30 pounds of fat. I was drinking NyQuil every night, night to go to sleep and then take, drinking a ton of coffee and taking Adderall in the mornings to wake up. And so I realized this is not a problem of bad employees or bad franchisees, bad customers, bad marketing competition, but I was blaming it on them. I was blaming it on everybody else. Instead, it was a problem of me. And so what I did over the next three years is I decided that I'm going to man up. And this isn't just for men, by the way. You know, plenty of women have to man up as well. And people ask, well, what does man up mean? Well, we've all heard the term, hey, man, man up and go after the girl of your dreams. Hey, man, man up and go to your boss and ask for that raise. Hey, man, man up and do the right thing. It really is a call to action. But where, what it means in my world is man up and stop making excuses, take control of your situation, and rise to your potential. See, we all have a greater potential. We feel that potential inside. 
but we think that it's going to be easier than it really is. In reality, it is tough to achieve wealth, health, a strong relationship, a positive mindset, build a business, raise amazing kids who I consider to be modern-day knights. And so you need to lead. And so leadership, to me, is broken down, or peak performance is broken down into six categories. And that's what I talk about in my book, Man Up, and it starts with pillar number one, self-discipline. You're not going to lead a business or your family or your health or your mindset or your money until you're self-disciplined. And self-discipline is a whole, like, you know, probably about 12, 13 pages in, in, in that chapter dedicated to all the different areas of self-discipline. But I'll give you one, one, specific, one specific tip here. I challenge the listeners of this podcast right now to go and look inside their cars objectively. Are there empty Starbucks cups? Are there empty food wrappers? Are there cans of soda, empty soda cans thrown around, old clothes that you haven't taken out and washed yet? If your car is a mess in a pig pen, well, don't you believe that as humans, we are top of the food chain? Shouldn't we live better than animals? Why is your car a mess? If the inside of your car is a mess, and I believe how you do anything is how you do everything. So if the inside of your car is a mess, it's safe to assume that if I went into that person's workspace, their desk would be a mess. Then if I went into their head, their mindset would be a mess. If I went into their relationship, their relationship would be a mess and chaotic. If I went into their bank account, their bank account would be a mess and their health and then their, 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 their kids. So it really does become this domino effect. So self-discipline for pillar number one. It's clear communication, pillar number two. It's being decisive, pillar number three. It's having clarity of vision. What do you want from your life? And when do you want it by? Set a deadline. That's pillar number four. Not being emotionally reactive is pillar number five. So many people are so reactive. What if we can just be responsive to issues? Look, life's going to give us problems. Let's stop being emotionally reactive and doing the chicken little dance. Instead, stop, take a deep breath, step back, and ask, is this problem happening to me because I'm a bad person, because I deserve it, or is it just a life circumstance? Most of the time, it's a life circumstance, and we can we just stop reacting emotionally and step back. We can come up with many different scenarios to respond to the problem and rise to the greater potential. And then finally, the sixth and final pillar is to build a team around you, a team of friends, family who can hold you accountable to your self-discipline, to your vision. And if you're going to build a business, a team of employees who are on the same page, committed to working hard and have this fighter jet mentality instead of this crop duster mentality. And that's really what Man Up is. Stop making excuses, take control of your situation, and rise to your potential. Awesome. Yeah, I love the book. I got to say thank you so much for sending me an advanced copy of it. Uh, please tell me, where is the best place for my listeners to go and grab a copy? And then I will make sure to include that link in the description of this podcast episode. Well, I appreciate you doing that. The best place your listeners can go to, and they'll get a free $2,000 course where I go deeper into the man-up mantra and break down every pillar of the six pillars of being, being a peak performer is manup.com. They just go to manup.com. They can get the book there. And, of course, they can also learn how to get the $2,000 course absolutely free. Awesome. And that link will be in the description, guys. So please do not miss out on that offer. Just tap the link. It's going to bring you right there. Uh, you'll find out all the information you need to. All right, Bedros, last thing I'm going to hit you with here. I'd love to ask all the dads I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Good question. The advice that I have for the new dad or the dad that's out there listening is that someone is going to raise your kids. And it might as well be you. And here's what I mean by that. I make 
and attempt to have one-on-one conversation with my kids anytime I can. Whether me and my son are in the backyard shooting pelicans or my daughter and I are taking a drive to yogurt land to get some yogurts, to have the type of one-on-one conversation where I'll say, hey, honey, I'm going to open your door, sweetie, and you go inside. In the future, as you grow up and you have a friend who's a boy and you like him and you go on a date like mommy and I go on a date, if this boy doesn't open your door like I open mommy's door and your door, you turn right back around and you come home or you call daddy, he can pick you up. And so I have these conversations in, in times where, you know, it's not threatening. We're in the car. We're, 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 we're maybe outside in the backyard with pellet guns, et cetera. But I'm instilling core values in my kids. That's what I mean when I say raise. Someone's going to raise your kids and educate your kids. They're either going to become modern-day knights and active members of society, or they're going to become entitled little brats if society raises them, because unfortunately society says, hey, you should depend on the government, you should depend on the man, if someone else is your responsibility. And so I instill these in my kids because I don't want anyone else raising them. Well said. All right, Bedros Cooley, and I would just like to say thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time right here on First Class Fatherhood. Thank you so much for your opportunity. I appreciate it. All right, I'll be right back after a quick spot. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Bedros Koulian for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was pretty cool. Please hit me up on Twitter. Drop me a DM over on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to hear your feedback. And then lock it in. Subscribe to the podcast. Next week is going to be an awesome week. We are about to hit our 100th episode here. I'm going to have a Veterans Day special episode with Ryan Mickler joining me. So please, guys, follow me on Instagram and Twitter for some upcoming announcements. Next week is going to be awesome. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day, as you know it, is Father's Day right here on this podcast. And I got to say thank you so much for all of you guys that are out there listening and continuing to show me support from the Little Acorn grew the mighty oak that's all i got for you guys today hope you guys enjoy your weekend out there enjoy your kids love your family and i will be back on monday i'm alec lace you've been listening to first class fatherhood and please remember guys we are not babysitters we are fathers and we're not just fathers we are first class fathers Tall as a tree, and a soft feeling so.